Today on the Story Now podcast, we are joined by our good friend, Molly Knuth. A little gratitude will make your garden grow. A little gratitude is good for your soul. Welcome to the Story Now podcast. I am your host, John Choate. And with me today, as always, is our producer, James Roth. How's it going, everybody? So we had the amazing privilege of talking to Molly Knuth of Molly Knuth Media. And Molly focuses on helping small businesses create social media content. And different things stick out to both of us about sort of highlights of the conversation And with Molly, I feel like I enjoyed hearing her journey and how she sort of fell into um, this passion of hers. But then also, um, you know, it's so refreshing hearing a business owner talk about how much they care for the client, but then also seeing their plan of action to actually like implement that in a day-to-day tangible usable thing so yeah for sure what about you i i think what was really cool to me was hearing the story about how she got started and um you know i think a lot of business owners go out and they think oh i gotta write this comprehensive business plan um and i've gotta you know do all this prep work before i start my business but in hearing her story she talks about how she totally fell into it kind of by accident you know she discovered it and i think that's really fun and a really unique and interesting way to start your business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're so excited to share this conversation with you today. And so without further ado, here it is, our conversation with Molly Knuth. Molly, thank you so much for joining us today. You are a great follow on social media And part of the reason that you really stand out to me is it feels like you genuinely care about the success of small businesses and helping people find their voice. Can you talk a little bit about your journey and how you started Molly Knuth Media? Absolutely. So first of all, thanks for having me today. I'm super excited. I love being on this side of the interview. It's so much fun. Molly Knuth Media started, I like to say, by accident. And then there's coaches out there who are like, well, it's never by accident. And I'm like, well, seriously, mine was an accident. But um, I was trained and educated at the University of Northern Iowa to be a high school reading language arts teacher. And during my education at UNI, I also obtained a minor in educational technology. So it was kind of almost like serendipity that I like received classes and coursework in things like Photoshop. And in, we actually had a class on Facebook, like that was back in 2007, 2008. So that was the very initial Facebook days. But during that time, we were just like as teachers instructed about up and coming technologies and how we could incorporate them into their classroom, into our classrooms, whether it be through using blogs or through video production, things like that. So once I got a classroom of my own, I was teaching middle school and um, high school reading, language arts and speech. And then I did incorporate technologies into my class. And I started also sharing out what we were doing on my own personal Facebook page. Um, And while I was just getting started, I was trying to build a classroom library because I was very into reading and just getting my kids to find something that they enjoyed reading, not so much doing it for like the homework or the points value, but just finding books that they loved and that they couldn't get enough of. So when I came into my classroom, I had about like 60 books that some were left from the teacher before me. Others were from my personal collection. But then I just took a picture of my bear. It was really sad. My bear like bookshelves in my classroom. And I put it on Facebook and I said, hey, if anybody out there has books accumulating dust that you've read, but you want to see like get in the hands of kids, I would be willing to take your books. I would love to. And it really it didn't become like a movement. I feel like that would be to give it too much credit, but it did become something that really exceeded my expectations. So just with a few simple Facebook posts, 
I was able to go from about 60 or 70 books in my classroom to over 500 before Christmas break. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just people saw a need. I used a technology to put that need out there. And then I just did updates as books came in. And it was as simple as sharing pictures or putting pictures into like a small video slideshow, showing people the books that were accumulating and kids reading. And like, I also was taking tallies of how many books our classes had read and people loved it. And I think that is kind of how I got started with seeing the power of social media as a community driver and as an advertising source, because then after my family was growing, I was also married um, in 2009. My husband and I started our family in 2011. And then um, right about the same time I was getting my teaching career going, we found ourselves pregnant with baby number three in the span of four years. <laughs> and so okay. like, oh man. Um, so we had to have some conversations about, all right, um, does it make sense to keep going through the motions of like daycare and teaching and stuff, or would it make more sense for me to be a stay at home mom, which was something I always wanted to do anyway. And so I decided to stay home and raise the kids for a couple of years. And then in 2016, I had my dad and my cousin opened a business in my hometown of Cascade, Iowa, and they wanted some general admin help. And so I was helping with just putting events together for their open house and things like that. Um, filing. But then I said, you know, why don't we try this new Facebook pages thing for businesses? And at the time it was new here in Eastern Iowa. There weren't a lot of people utilizing that yet, especially small businesses in our small town. So we were some of the first to adopt that consistently with our marketing. And at the time I was just like, we're going to do this. And we're just going to share pictures of the projects you guys do and like the different options that they have for their homes. And then it really did kind of catch fire. And one business owner told another business owner who told another business owner. And by the beginning of 2017, I had three clients without even an official business. <laughs> since then, it's just really grown. And kind of like we talked a little bit earlier, it's just been through focusing on how each business is different and unique, Yeah, different special things they bring to the table for their clients and customers. And we really just share that story for each business. And that has been a game changer in social media marketing for small town businesses. That's, that's incredible. And I love, um, you know, the sort of the next question that I had lined up, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm even more interested in now because, um, I was, you know, the segue I was going to make is sort of what were some of the challenges that you might've faced when you made the leap into the full-time social media business. But it sounds like you accumulated clients without even trying was, so was that like a hard, cause you know, there's people that have been on this podcast that we've talked to where they've had like major career shifts or there was like this point where they um, had to make a huge pivot starting the media business. Was that, was that a pivot for you? Was that a hard pivot or what kind of tell us about how that all came together? Yeah. And this is a question I get a lot, especially from people who are maybe thinking about starting a small business and then they come to me. And for me, I was in that stay at home mom mode. And so for a lot of people who are thinking about starting a business, you're exactly right. They have to make a hard pivot, a career change, or they have to go all in and like leave behind a benefits package or something. For me, I was already at home. So we had already made that decision. Sure. And it was kind of an easier thing. I didn't have to like sacrifice a salary or a benefits package or anything like that. I just was like, well, I guess we're going to take this chance. Yeah. And at the time, it was a big decision to make. And I was very nervous about it. But looking back, I was like, you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot harder decisions when they decide to start a small business than I did. Because for me, it was very organic. And I'm a very like, goal-oriented person anyway. So I was having these feelings of like, I want to try something else. I want to like reach a little higher. Maybe I want to set some goals for myself again, because I had been a mom, a stay-at-home mom for like two years at that point that the business got going. And so I, it was time for me. I wanted to like stretch my legs and like see what I could do, but I didn't know exactly how that looked. Like I even remember I, I walked down the hall or the aisles at a Hobby Lobby, like before this media business came together. And I was like, I could be that person that takes these old pallets and like 
repurposes them and paints them and makes cute home decor. I'm yeah. not, not that person. <laughs> that bag is probably still in my storeroom. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just really organic to get the start, but I had no business experience. Like I, when I tell you, I haven't taken a business class. I haven't, I've just, when I got started, I just took a chance and I didn't even know that what I did was a unique skill set and something that other businesses or people would find valuable. I just leaned into what people were asking me to do. And like you mentioned, it was just kind of like word of mouth. I didn't have to solicit a whole lot to get customers. It was just really a friend told a friend told a friend. And then I said, okay. <laughs> and then yeah, kind of got the ball rolling. You see, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of interested now, fast forward to the present, how much of your business is word of mouth versus how much engagement you're getting with your own social media. And I guess the reason I'm curious about that is we've gotten some business from social media, but I would say at least 80% of our business is all word of mouth. And so I just think that that's so interesting for us because we're in the media business. And so I think that you would, I would assume at least that we would get more, um, you know, customer inquiries via Instagram or Facebook. So I'm just curious about sort of the evolution of that for you. Oh, absolutely. And this is something that varies from business to business, right? So like your business or mine, like we do have a pretty established base, you know, Mm -hmm. so we've got some loyal customers and clients and they are happy with what we give them. So then they tell their friends. So we have that positive word of mouth working for us in our own communities and in our own networks, which is amazing. And I tell my clients and my students to lean into that, especially in these smaller communities. Word of mouth is everything. I can't like put out a great Instagram reel and have that correct a bad reputation in your small town, right? It's not going to be magic. So you really have to focus on doing good work for your clients and by your customers and providing exceptional products, services, and customer service. That's the end and the beginning of a successful business. The social media component comes in either, as you were talking about, as a lead generator. And there's different ways you can do that through like ads, campaigns, um, doing a targeted, like a a full scale strategic plan. Or like if you do have that good word of mouth and that base, then your social media can become more of an educational tool or almost like a portfolio. Because then if somebody hears about you, from a friend, they will probably try to find you on Facebook or on Instagram or on your website because they want to see what kind of work you do and the caliber of your product. And so that's how you can use social media. And maybe it's less of a lead generator at that point. And it's more of just affirming what your friends and positive word of mouth is already saying about you. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, You know, kind of thinking about, you know, you had mentioned, you know, different services that you offer, things like that. I think one thing for a small business is, especially when you started, at least this was the case for us, we wanted to say yes to everything. And then we started narrowing our focus. Have have you had to go through that process where you've sort of uh, narrowed in on a specific uh, service or product? Yeah. So my business is about five years old now. And at every, as I look back, there's been different seasons of the business for sure. So like you said, in the beginning, I was just saying yes to everybody. And I was working mostly by myself in the beginning. Um, so I had to, I had to be a little bit more aware, maybe not so much as a, like keeping into a specific niche, but more so just being aware of my time because I still had the kids at home with me and I had to balance that all out. Um, as the business has evolved, I've been a little bit more, I've niched down a bit more. So like I'm helping, I've really loved to focus on small town, small businesses. I love working with those entrepreneurs who have big ideas, but they just need my help executing. Mm -hmm. And I love because they have such like a pivotal role in their communities. They are the people who are like contributing to the economic base. They are the people who are sponsoring T-ball. They are the people who are, donating to your hometown days events. So I just love 
seeing the impact and how big of an impact small businesses can have in small towns. So that's really where my heart is. So if you're a small town business, that's who I want to work with. Um, and so I've narrowed down more so in that regards, I'm not necessarily niched down and like, I help a particular kind of industry or anything like that, but I definitely focus on the small towns because I love the stories that they have and the way that we can share what they do in their communities. Um, and then as the business has grown too, I've been able to bring people on my team who help with certain things. So we have expanded our offers and we have different product and service lines, if you will. And then that way I can focus on some of the things like consulting, coaching, podcasting. And then I've got people who can help me with the like admin work, or I have someone who is an account specialist. I've got someone who's on graphic design and web design so that we can all work in our specific skill sets and we can provide a more robust marketing experience for these small town businesses. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's really cool. So what does, so let's say I'm a business and I set up a meeting with you. What is sort of the process that you look at to evaluate what I would maybe call the social media health of a business? Oh my gosh, this is something that, okay. So anybody who's listening and they feel like they're in the beginning stages, this is something I'm still processing and like refining. There's so many things that just when you look at these Instagram accounts of people who are coaches or they're years ahead of you in business, you're like, man, they really have it all figured out. And I'm like, I bet they don't because I know I've been doing this for five years and I still don't have that yeah. like nailed down, yeah. but I'm working on it. So um, when someone expresses interest with us, what we do to start off with is just really want to either get on the phone or on a Zoom call with them. Or if they're more localized, closer here to my hometown, then I like to go see them in person. But we just like to hear out what are their goals? What are their expectations? Because there are some things we can achieve. And there are some things that like in this day and age, since like Facebook business pages are not brand new anymore, there are some things that we have to maybe be more realistic about for goal-wise or sales-wise. So it's really just hearing out what that person is needing. And then we put together something that will help them get there. So for certain clients, um, I just brought in a client who has a boutique up in Northern Iowa, and she has a really active social media account already. She's super engaging. People are messaging her and she's being super responsive. So what she needed for her business was more just somebody to handle like the daily upkeep. And she likes to do the one-on-one outreach. So we built a plan around her. For other people, I have like, I have some clients who are more local. They're my like original MKM clients. They're electricians or like dirt movers. And they are just like, you handle it and we will take the calls. <laughs> and so then I'm doing, I've got a different kind of plan for them. So it really is just hearing out what the business, where they're at right now, where they want to go, and then helping them come up with plans and strategies to get them there. So it's pretty unique for every client that we have. Yeah. Well, and one thing that I love about following you on social media is that you have a very educational component to um, coming up with social media posts and things like that. I'm just curious, um, how much time do you spend working on, you know, your company's social media and and the educational part of it? Because I'm always... It's so funny because when we work with clients, you know, when we create videos, um, it's, we recognize that other businesses are so busy that it's really hard for them to schedule time for, to work on their own business. Cause they're so busy, you know, working on theirs. Right. So, um, I was just curious, how do you set time aside, <laughs> you know, during the week or what, what's sort of your routine? Um, because I, I noticed that I don't post that much because we're so focused on what we're, you know, providing for our clients. So I think, and I could be wrong, but it feels like maybe the biggest common obstacle is people aren't setting aside time. So I'm wondering how, how you do that in your own business. Oh, time, right? (laughs) I wish I had an answer. Um, But what I really have found, and there are ebbs and flows, like we talked about in the lifespan of your business, there are different seasons. And then just in the months 
of the year, you have ebbs and flows where you're going to have more focus on the output of your actual business to help your own clients and customers. And then you're going to have times where you can kind of slow down and be more strategic about your own business. And I know out there, like on social media, you'll hear a lot of coaches and experts saying like, set aside time to work on your business, not just in your business. And I've found that I am at my best. And right now, November and December are notoriously busy here because we're doing like year end stuff, holiday promotion. We're doing like contract restructuring, things like that. So like, if you would have asked me this question in September, October, I was like, oh man, you know, I'm posting like three or four times a week. And I set aside time on Mondays to do that. And when I'm at my best, I do my, I structure my weekly calendar so that Mondays and Thursdays are for like Molly Knuth Media admin tasks. So that means I am going through my calendar. I am emailing clients for weekly needs on Mondays. I am recording episodes of my podcast. I am scheduling my own social media. And then on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Fridays, those are times for me to create content for my clients and get like the work for my clients and customers out the door. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get into busy season, like I'm, I'm in right now, what I do is I just have, um, I use Asana for my project management. And so then what I've done to make sure that I'm posting. So like the whole first week in November, I did not have my daily post prompts for Molly Knuth Media on my Asana calendar. And I live and die by that baby. So like, if it's not on my calendar, it's probably not going to get done. And it took me about seven days. And I was like, I haven't posted on Instagram in a while. I'm pretty active naturally in stories, but I was like, I haven't done a post. And then I looked at my calendar. I was like, I didn't put it on my agenda. And so in busy season, when I'm just like kind of going day to day to like get, I'm just like in work mode then I just make sure that I factor myself in as a client and I give myself like at least a daily window to get a post or if nothing else, show up on stories. Now that's for my business because I'm in social media. I know that I need to be showing up and I know that going into December, I'm going to have some launches that I want to make sure I'm showing up for in advance of. So I'm not only coming to the table when I'm asking people to buy from me because I kind of liken it to going to a dinner party and you're sitting next to that person who only like talks about themselves the whole time. Next time you go to a dinner party with that person, you're probably not going to want to sit by them. So I use that for social media. Like if I'm only showing up on my pages when I want to sell something and talk about myself, that's not treating my audience very fairly. So I like to look ahead to and say, when am I going to like show up in sales Molly mode? And I need to make sure that before that I am showing up with lots of goodies for my followers for being here. So giving them tips, just sharing stories of my day and doing that ahead of launch mode. So I feel like I've just talked in a circle, but no, no, you're good. So in like the busy season, if I just show up daily for my social media business, that's because I'm in social media and I know I've got launches coming up. If you are somebody who's a service provider with like your roster is completely full, maybe just show up like once a week. So your audience knows that you're still here and it's not as important for you to show up daily to fill your book. So you have to go off of what are the seasons of your business? What is your availability right now? Um, Making sure that you're being generous with your audience, not only showing up as that person at the dinner party who wants to talk about yourself, And then just kind of building a calendar around that, that is manageable for you. That is fantastic. Yes. And I'm definitely going to listen back to this and write that down because it's so good. Um, The other question I had, and I run into this all the time. I feel like anybody listening also runs into this problem is sometimes I don't post because I feel like it's not quote perfect enough. How do you... And I don't know if that's necessarily even would be classified as like a writer's block. Um, But uh, how do you help people sort of overcome that obstacle? Yeah, so that's a common one. And that's something that like I even have when Instagram or Facebook releases something new. I want to make sure I understand how to use it. And so sometimes that can be a block for me because I'm like, I want to know how to use this first. So reels like, gosh, sometimes I just am not showing up well on reels and TikTok because it is that block for me, but I'll show up on stories all day long. Mm -hmm. So 
but that's okay. You need to figure out those pieces of social media that work for you. So for example, John, for storyline, like, yeah, you might want to have things polished and perfect because that's your final product and you want it to look reflective of what people are going to get in the end mode. And if we're talking about Instagram in particular, for example, those posts that go up on your grid, those are meant to be like the polished and looking pretty good kind of posts, right? But for me, I only have so much time in a week to get those polished, pretty posts done. So for me, what I've found works best is if I show up in stories, which can be less polished, I can kind of show up as myself, maybe talk about like what I did today. Maybe I got up late or showing how I get my kids out the door in the morning, or I ask people like on Monday of this week, I said, I need to get through this to-do list. What's a pump up song that you listen to when you need some motivation. And then people shared their favorite songs with me. So it can even be in simple stuff like that. And that works really well on Instagram stories because it's going to disappear in 24 hours anyway. And then you can save maybe if you can just do one post per week on the like polished post side of Instagram, that'll be perfect. And then maybe that'll help you relieve a little bit of the pressure on yourself and that block. And Mm -hmm. I always find that as you get into the flow, you do kind of reduce those expectations on yourself as you just get used to showing up. And then it kind of alleviates that pressure on yourself naturally. But you have to get into that like experience. It's kind of like a workout program. You know, the first week or two, you're like, oh, it's a real struggle to get to the gym when your muscles are sore. But then after two weeks, you're like, okay, it just becomes part of your routine. And so with social media, it's similar to that. You have to push through that initial phase of feeling uncomfortable and imperfect. And then it gets to be more routine. Yeah. You know, one thing that's also, you know, I've I've been thinking about and I've just been dying to get your perspective on is a couple of weeks ago, we had an Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp outage. So first of all, have you recovered from that? Are you okay? (laughs) My answer might not be what you expect. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I'm just curious as you know, that's... I. I don't recall that ever happening ever. And if it did, definitely not for that long. So what was it like from Molly's perspective when those social media platforms went down? Oh, absolutely. So back on October 4th, I still remember the date. (laughs) Actually, no, it really wasn't too bad. Um, I was in meetings that day. I have a couple of girlfriends that we are business owners. We meet up and have a mastermind once a month. So it was the first Monday of October. So we were in mastermind session. So actually the outage started like around noon, which is when our meeting started. And when I am in meetings, I put my phone away and I, I just, I'm not that person that I'm like going to be texting or trying to do work while I'm with you in real time. So I had my phone put away and pretty soon one of the girls was getting multiple texts and they were like, oh my gosh, I think Instagram's down. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I should check in with my clients. And what do you know, Instagram and Facebook and well, WhatsApp, I don't use WhatsApp very much, but Instagram and Facebook were down. And like you said, there have been times in the past where one or the other has gone down But in my memory, it's never been both platforms at the same time for like six, seven, eight hours in length. There have been days where like Facebook won't work for me and it's just like two or three hours in length, which is inconvenient, but it's not insurmountable. So this was definitely unique. And I had such a relaxing day that day because I wasn't, I'm somebody who like, I wear my watch on my wrist. And so I get notifications and little like buzzes as I get messages come through. And it was definitely kind of like a shock to my system to not have those buzzes and notifications every few minutes, which had kind of become second nature. And I didn't even notice them. And I still don't in the day to day, but that day I noticed the absence of it. And I was like, man, it was kind of nice. It was kind of a nice day. And then when Instagram and Facebook did come back, like all of my social media manager friends and groups that I was part of, they were like, wasn't it relaxing? And I was like, oh my gosh, it was. Um, but that's, and I, I would probably have been more stressed had I had clients who had major launches that they were in the middle of. But just the way that that date fell, it was not on a day that I had to get reports out for clients or that we had super important posts scheduled for. So it was really, if it was going to happen, it was a good date. Um, But 
as a result of that, what I made sure to educate followers about and my clients and my, um, I also have a group coaching program going on. So what I made sure to tell all of them was two things, Facebook, which we all probably now know, because in the meantime too, Facebook has unveiled that they have this new meta like name and umbrella. So, but before that, I think it was maybe a little lesser known that Facebook and Instagram were owned together. They're owned under the Facebook Inc, which is now meta umbrella. So um, even if we have like these big news events about Facebook and data and privacy, like it doesn't say Instagram, but Instagram is part of that corporation and WhatsApp falls into that too. And I'm sure eventually other social media networks will as well. So you are subject when they are owned by other people to the rules and the outages and the glitches and the updates and changes that they decide to make. So if they decide to take away our music feature on Instagram, we don't have much say about that because we are just the user. And in addition to that, we're using this for free. We're not paying for this service. And on Facebook, if they take away the poll feature on our posts, which they did, um, we, we can't like challenge that because we are subject to what they have decided. We are essentially leasing the property that they own on the internet. So to combat that in the future, as business owners who want to keep these um, channels of communication with our clients and potential customers and lead generation, we want to make sure that we have what I call and other people call owned property online. So that means having a website that is up to date. Maybe it's for you having an email list so that you can email your people. So when I get, did get word of the outage, I did send a quick email out to my followers on my email list and said, hey, it's not just you, it's everybody right now. And I got probably a handful to a dozen responses from people that said, oh my gosh, I did think it was just me. Thank you so much for this email. And I was like, it's a good thing I had this email list. I don't use it like greatly, but it was good to have. So for those of you that have other formats of businesses like boutiques, or thing like convenience stores, restaurants, it might make sense for you to maybe even have a text list that you can do through SMS. So whatever you decide to do going forward with your marketing on digital landscape, I would say, make sure that you have some social media presence. That is, but that is your leased space, your rented space. And then make sure you have some owned space so that if something comes up where we have this again, you have a method of communications with your followers and your potential clients and customers. That's, that's brilliant. I, I had not even thought about having like a client list or like an email. That's yeah, that's, that's really good. And I was always like, I hate to say this now, but I was an email hater until probably like two <laughs> years ago. And I was like, but I get so many emails in a day that I don't even read. And I just send them right to my trash. And, but then I had to think about it differently. And I was like, well, if it was an email that was valuable, And I knew that every time I got that email, that it was going to be something sub like that had some substance that would be helpful to me. Um, Then I would not push it right to my trash can, you know? So I started slowly understanding and learning how to use email in a way that benefited the subscriber, not so much in a way that benefited me. And that kind of changed my mindset and allowed me to start understanding how email is a really great component of a good marketing strategy. And as we've talked about for a million other examples so far, um, it's not going to work for every single business in every single industry, but it is a good option for people in the service industries and for those who want to have regular opportunities to update their customers. Yeah. That's really good. You know, one of the things too that I I didn't know um, until I was, I think you had posted something. So you have a Instagram page for Molly Knuth Media, and then you also have an Instagram page for your small minded podcast. So um, obviously we have, we're in the middle of uh, sort of revamping our podcast. And so I've been listening to a lot of you know, podcasters talk about like what worked, what didn't work. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me was that um, they say most podcasts don't make it past seven, about seven episodes. So, well, it's it's not like a huge majority, but it's it's a good percentage 
because they get really excited about it. And then just around seven is where it kind of peters out. Right. So you're way past seven. I'm curious. Um, where did you, what inspired you to start the podcast and what's sort of your daily motivation to keep those, keep those going? Yeah. So, um, like I opened with in the initial question, I'm a very goal, like action oriented mm-hmm. person. Um, so like even starting Molly Knuth media, when I decided to make this business like a true legit thing, kind of like you did, I did some research, like research air quotes, like Google research, but I still was digging into like, what did I have to do to start a business? And then I came it, face-to-face with some of those hard numbers about like the realities of people who start businesses and the success percentage of businesses getting past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, there's a significant drop-off after year one of business ownership, because that is when some of the excitement wears off. That's when like your friends and family aren't as apt to like just share your social media posts. That's when it's like, it gets real. And I would imagine that's probably why the podcast like that's why the numbers are the way they are for the podcast, because you are excited when you get started. And when I started small minded, it was definitely something that I was like, I just want to do this. I want to try it. I think, um, it was probably like year two or year three of Molly Knuth media. Part of my strategy was to show up weekly with video trainings on my Molly Knuth media, Facebook page. And then Um, I did that for about a year. And then after that year, I started seeing traffic fall off, whether it was because my audience was tired of the format or because of algorithmic changes, it could have been either, but I decided to take a break from that. And then I kind of fall, fell into listening regularly to some of my favorite podcasters and business owners. And then I kind of started coming up with and toying with the idea, like, you know, a podcast would be a similar format to that Molly Canoes Media live video training that I did. I had done it for a whole year as a video training series. It was very helpful to getting my name out to a new audience and helping me grow organically. And podcasting would be that, but it would be accessible to people no matter where they went. They didn't have to like sit down and watch a video. They could just pop it in while they went to the gym or were driving to work or whatever. And so I felt like that was going to be a natural extension of things that I had already done but it was just going to be in a more accessible format for people who would still be in my audience. Um, And then I do remember, that's funny that you said that about episode seven, because I do think it was probably about seven episodes in that like I had ideas and I had a list of topics that I wanted to cover and some people who I would like to have on for interviews. And then episode seven ish was probably where it got like real hard where I was like, okay, I feel like I'm running on a dry well here. I don't know how many more creative ideas I have. And I think that's also when it was like, okay, I, it's a lot of time and effort to produce a podcast and to go through the recording and then the audio formatting and then like the releasing of the episode and the marketing of the episode as it launches. So there is like a honeymoon phase. And then there's that phase of, oh man, you know, this is, this is a work in and of itself. And I knew that I wanted to make it to at least a year of podcasting and I do a weekly episode. So I knew that it was going to be a lot. Um, So some things that I did and put in place to help myself with that was one person on my team began doing the actual audio um, editing for me. So I would come up with the content idea. I would record either a solo cast or a podcast interview. And then I would give her the framework of how I wanted it structured And then I would just hand off the audio files and she'd put them together, upload them for me. And then it would release because I knew that those technical issues or not issues, those technical details were probably going to be where I would trip up because those are the things that I don't enjoy so much Mm -hmm. and I would probably put off. So, and those are the things she likes to do. So it was a good move and it was someone who was already on my team. So she really took to that like more technical side of the podcasting. And that helped me because it took some work off my plate so I could still have time to do the podcast in addition to my regular day job. The other thing I've done, and it wasn't so great at the beginning, I was kind of like recording in the same week that I wanted to launch, but it didn't take too long, like a month or two, where I really did see the benefits of what's called batch producing your episodes. So I would block off a day or a half a day. And I'd record two or three episodes or two or three interviews back to back. 
And especially going into busy seasons of Molly Knuth Media, I know I need to batch record to get ahead of that. So like August, September of this year, I was doing a lot of recording so I could get up through November. And so right now I'm doing some batch recording so we can get to January so that during the holiday season, I can focus on clients. I can focus on um, my family and our holiday obligations. And then the podcast is already just happening in the background. And that takes a lot of time to get to. It takes some pre-planning. We do have like a whole Asana project where we map out like this is the commercial that's going to go here. This is the episode we have. These are the social media posts that are going to line up for that week. And then we just do a lot of upfront organization and recording so that it makes the actual process a little more streamlined. And I'm still not perfect at it. Just this, just this morning, my um, editor, she was like, Hey, you got next week's podcast. And I was like, oh, yep, I'll get it for you. So there are still some of those overlaps where I'm not quite as far out in my recordings as I would like to be, but I'll get through that this week and then we'll be good to go for January. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's so good. So, um, how do you, how do you pick your topics? Is it something that you watch for and sort of like the trends of what you're working with, uh, with customers on? Yeah. So I have tried a few different formats. So I have multiple formats. I'll have like a solo cast format where I'm coming in with like you've said, like I have a lot of client questions or people are sending me a lot of DMS about something in particular. So like anytime there's a new feature release, like reels, I would build out an episode around that new feature. Cause I know there needs to be some kind of education around it. I might also structure my solo casts around the calendar year. So in November, we had a few episodes that were solo casts and that was strategically planned so that it would be guiding my audience and my followers who are largely business owners to how to structure like their holiday launch sequence or how to set up their social media to help drive sales for seven days. So I also look at the calendar where we're at, what are my what is my audience going to be really focused on at that time of year? And then we go from there. And then like every so often, we'll just have a fun one. Like around July 4th, we had like uh, Americana in a small town. And I talked about my memories of like going to the pool as a kid and like watching the fireworks on the ball field. And that one got a lot of really good feedback. And then we have interviews and I will bring on much like we're doing right here, where I bring on people that I know or there have been a few people who like are on my long shot list that have said yes when I've just reached out and asked. Um, but I bring in people and who I know, and sometimes it's because I just love them so much that I want to have a conversation with them. Other times, maybe they've got something coming up that I feel like I could give them a platform to help sell what they've got coming. Um, and other times I know that my audience is looking for it. Like I'm thinking about like this past August, September, I had a lot of questions coming in about finances and like from business owners wondering like, how do I plan for this? Or how do I know it's time to bring on a team member? And so a lot of the guests and the solo cast that I had revolved around like small business financing. And I would tell like the idealized, like, here's what I'm planning. And then here's what actually happened. So I, I don't, I'm not afraid to like open up the curtain and show the less perfect sides too. So, cause I think that's important, especially in the business world, showing people that you've got like, everybody tries stuff and they succeed or they try stuff and they learn from it. And that's important to hear as well. And my guests have all been really vulnerable, maybe not vulnerable, but transparent about that yeah. process in themselves as well. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine too, that with each episode, especially if it's got that educational component, like you said, you did an episode on reels I would imagine that that's beneficial for you as well, because then you're setting aside time to learn the new features yourself. I think that's, that's one thing that we struggle with is, and I maybe struggle is too harsh of a, uh, a word for that. But I, I think that uh, we just, there's times where we're like, we're not going to go there because we just don't have the time to learn it. But you're, but you're setting aside the time and, and, and educating people and keeping people up to date. And so then that way they at least have the option to learn about it easily. So, yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to do that too. So if there's a business owner out there and they feel like they have this bigger vision, they want to like help other people who maybe were in their footsteps a few years back. 
like you don't have to like go and start a podcast, but you can still incorporate some of these educational components into what you're doing. And that could be through like creating a digital download. And that could also, that can work twofold. So even threefold, if we want to get into it, but let's say that in your instance, maybe there's a video production app that people who they don't really need like that top of the line, but they just want to know how to like edit down a clip, maybe just to trim a clip up. Okay. So then that would be something that you as a professional in the industry, you probably have like apps that you would suggest for that. And it's not going to take away from the high quality, um, really professional looking product that you put out, but it does kind of warm up your audience to show them that you are an expert. You know what you're talking about and it does help them. And I'm not sure if you've read this before, but, uh, it's a book called building a story brand by Donald Miller. Yeah. And I love that book because it really did flip my mindset about marketing because it talks about how, like, as the business owner, sometimes we want to put ourselves in the shoes of the hero of the story because we're like swooping in and saving the day. But in reality, our customer or our client is the hero. And then we are the guide that just kind of helps them make their own lives better. So in that example, where this person has a problem, they have this video on their phone, they know that it needs to be edited, but they don't know how to do it. And they know it's probably simple, but they're just not sure. So then you could have like a free, like just a one page digital download that says you start here and then you go here and you could even have just little screenshot images. And then that could be something you house on your website. It gets people to sign up for your email list. You're growing that list. And then they get that digital download in the process. So now you're the guide showing them how to do this. But then the next time they have this next level video production question, who are they going to think of as the expert? You. So these educational things that we do, they help our audience help themselves, but it also helps us create that relationship with them so that we are the trusted professionals and they know they can come to us with questions. And then we can build marketing around that too. If we want to keep them on our email list or as a follower, there's ways to do that. But I think the biggest thing is like recognizing the relationship that's there and making sure that they are the hero of the story. And then you're just helping them live their best life. Yeah, no, that's, that's so good. One, one question I have though, is, you know, when people are um, creating content for the first time, they say, okay, I'm going to do this educational series. They get really excited about it. And then they throw it up there and it gets 12 views. What's sort of your, um, what, what would you say to someone who was like, I failed. I only got 12 views. Uh, I, I think I know what you would, you're going to say, but I, I'm just curious if you could tell our, our listeners, you know, what, what, what you would say to encourage someone. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that go into getting views and it's not just, creating something awesome and putting it up there. <laughs> like yeah. yep. it's got a lot of marketing and relationship building behind it to get those views built up. So it is, I know that there's so much talk around like TikTok and reels and the virality you can get from some of those videos and how it's like an exponential number of followers and views from these little tiny videos, which are great. And I'm not discounting that at all, but it is hard to get to that level of success in a short amount of time or with a single video. What I encourage my clients and my followers to do and what I've, I feel like I'm kind of just re-airing all the things I've already said, but is like really focusing on those relationships that you've got. So that's showing up consistently in whatever, like whatever consistent means to you and your business. But again, not being that dinner guest who just wants to talk about themselves and only shows up when it's convenient for them. You want to make sure that you are creating those relationships. And that doesn't mean only posting content to your feeds and expecting people to come to you. Um, For my clients, and especially those people in like my MKM social school, I teach them how to go out and spend like, even if it's 10 minutes a week, just dedicate 10 minutes to going out and engaging with other accounts. So that means liking other people's posts commenting on other people's posts, following new accounts, um, giving people encouragement, and then you're starting to create real relationships. And then when you are creating those relationships too, we're being consistent, we're showing up regularly with good content, not expecting these huge results from a single post. We also need to know that it takes time to build relationships. It takes time to build trust. 
And humans, I think the last time I checked, um, we have the attention span of a goldfish. So it's like seven or eight seconds before we get distracted by something else. And that's important because that means that we have a short amount of time to catch people's attention. And we also need to have them see our things like 12 times before they will consider buying from us. So that means we have to build out some marketing around that big piece of cool content that we've made so that people know to expect us or we can reshare that. Like even the best TikTokers, they'll then repackage that video and it'll say, the audio goes like, what's the TikTok that made you famous? And then they just re-air their best performing content. And guess Mm. what? It's the best performing content again. So it's repackaging, like building out a strategy around it, not expecting to hit like the most viral of videos with just a single video. It takes some time. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because when I, so there was a time period where I worked for the University of Iowa College of Public Health, and we were doing this video educational series because the college did so much so many grant funded research projects. So every time we would post a video to social media, it would get like a couple hundred views, you know, it was was pretty good. And so we were uh, towards the end of the year, my first year at this job, uh, you know, I was pretty proud. I'm putting this list together of like our most popular videos, like what really tracked well, what didn't. And uh, right before that meeting, it was a couple of days before that meeting, one of the students had sent our social media manager a video because they, uh, when they do their philanthropy week, they have this thing called Phil. So it's this big yellow guy that like has like, um, you see him at used car dealers a lot, oh, like yep, the, yep, the yep. guy that has the arms that like wave in the air. Yep. So he posted that and that video got thousand, I think it was close to 10,000 views and it had just massacred this, <laughs> this <laughs> video library that I created. And so I, I always use that as an example of you, you just, you just don't know what's going to go viral, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't discount what the content that you're putting out, but you also, just because the videos, you know, got good content doesn't mean it's going to necessarily take off kind of almost unpredictable in, in some, you know. Oh, for sure. There are trends that come out of the woodwork and you're like, why is this trending? And you can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't guess that. Yeah. Um, there's a time, yeah. And Earl, probably like the second year of Molly Knuth Media, um, there was a big shift that Facebook did behind the scenes about the algorithm. And people were just like going nuts that had businesses that they had been getting organic traffic in the thousands for years. And they're like, now Facebook's making these algorithm changes. What are we going to do? So I kind of, I'd already talked about, like I had a video series that was like a weekly training. And so for that week that this news was announced, my topic that week was about like the new algorithm and how it wasn't going to be that different from what you were already doing. Um, And then we just needed to shift how we thought about it. So I made a video about that. Someone who was a follower shared it to this blogger's page and as a comment um, underneath her, like talking about the algorithm changes. And they're like, watch this video that my friend Molly made. And it explains the changes and how we can kind of plan and prepare for that. And I got so many followers and that video was one of my most viewed videos ever. And that wasn't me like planning around a trend or projecting and understanding what news was going to be coming at me. It was just me. I had already focused on providing educational content. I was already being consistent in the way that I showed up. And then when that timing just came together. I was there and people could share that. And so the people who already saw me as a trusted resource could share that with their friends. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Not that I have like, if you go to my following right now, it's not, it's a modest following, but it, for those people who I do help, like that do follow me regularly, like this is, it helps them so much. So, um, I would say, don't get caught up in the numbers, just Focus on the people you are helping. Every like is a person. Every view is a person. And when you think about it in terms of a person, 200 views, even though you're like, well, the person next to me got 2000 views on that TikTok, that's still 200 people who saw what you did and listened to your message. That's huge. That's so great. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think we lose sight sometimes of the fact that those likes are people. So that's really good. It's easy to do, but it's, Every time you feel like disheartened about your numbers, just remind yourself that 
is not just number, that is a person. So if I have 500 followers and I feel like that's not very much, that's 500 people, you guys. There are small towns that don't have that many people. So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, sort of to, to segue, I, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, almost at our time here. I could, I feel like I could just keep talking to you all day. My, my question for you is you've, you've walked us through the journey of your first five years, the growth, you know, your customer base, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Where do you, where do you see the business going, um, in your mind? Yeah. Um, so when I started, after I decided this was going to be a thing, like a real business, I put together like a 10 year plan and my 10 year plan was that I wanted to be able to provide more than just social media marketing, not to say that social media is just social media marketing, but I wanted to make sure that we were able to help small business owners in a variety of ways. Because as I'm sure you understand, when you start a small business, you think you're going into it to help people with this thing that you're good at. So whether that's electric work or creating awesome videos or teaching people how to market their business. That's what you think you're going into business for. And then when you start this business, you're like, okay, I do that. But then I also do my book work and my tax prep and right. my scheduling and all of these other things. And so as I was beginning to work with more and more clients, and then as my business, I saw like I had all of these different contacts and all of these different people to check in with to just help me do my, my business in the year to year. I saw that it's a need for more of a resource center for small businesses, especially small town, small businesses. And so my ultimate goal when I set that plan in place was in 10 years, I wanted to have a pretty robust small town, small business resource center. So we would have social media marketing, but that would fall under a larger umbrella of marketing as a whole. So we could offer web design, we could offer graphic design, we could offer consultation and strategic planning. But also, I want to be able to offer my small town, small business owners the, uh, the capability to get other professional services when they stop in with us. And so, um, especially in the last year, I've seen that coming to fruition. So we've brought in a virtual assistant. So she is under the MKM umbrella, but she is able to help business owners with a variety of tasks. So I know that she's got clients who she helps with like book work or she helps them with scheduling or she helps them get their emails out um, or just like in the day-to-day -day admin running of their business. We did just bring in a web designer and graphic designer. So we're building it out piece by piece. We have that podcast producer. So we're getting there. And then, so in the next five years, I'm going to keep plugging away towards that goal. I think it's getting closer, but um also, we are continuing to help more small business owners where they're at with their marketing. So some people need me to do their, me and my team to do their management from the day to day on their social media. Other people just need the consultation. They need the plan and then they can implement and execute. Other people want to handle their social media, but they need the ideas. So we've got the monthly managed packages. We've got like VIP day and coaching packages. And then we've got MKM social school, which is for those business owners who want to do it themselves, but they just need a little guidance. And so we're building out different programs and services to meet people where they're at and still going for that big goal of being like a small business resource center That's in about five so years. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. Well, I know that I'm excited to watch your journey continue. Um, I, I, you're such a great follow. How can people find you on social media? Well, thank you. Cause I feel the same about you. I always love seeing what you guys put together and I love watching the content that you create for your clients, like um, the listeners have probably heard your episode with Bobby and Kayla at Thompson and Co. Yeah. And I follow them and I love all the things that you're putting together for them. So the feeling's mutual. I'm so oh, glad that we you. got to have this conversation today. Yeah, me too. Um, if, you, if people want to follow me, um, I'm at Molly Knuth Media on everything, um, but I'm most regular on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so I have a TikTok, but in addition to only posting on a regular like schedule that fits your business, you also don't have to be on every platform. Eventually, you just need to focus in on the one or two where you can help the most people. So yeah. I would say follow me on Instagram and Facebook. 
Um, you can get on our email list at mollyknuthmedia.com. And then if you want to listen in on our podcast for small town, small business owners, it's at small minded podcast on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us today. I know that our listeners learned a lot. I know that I did. And we look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much for tuning into the Story Now podcast. Before we go, we just wanted to give a special thanks to Justin Goodchild, who wrote and performed the song that you are hearing now. And please be sure to follow us on all our social media channels, and we'll see you in the next episode. When you hunger in the tooth, you take your mind off one small truth. No matter what you got, it's never gonna make you whole. Sunday morning, take your rest. Think of all that you've been blessed with. Appreciation will fill up your bowl. A little gratitude will make your garden.